Iowa everywhere. Sage Rosenfels here with the Iowa Everywhere Network. This is the Sage Rosenfels Experience. Today, I have a great host on, a very timely host with the Miami Heat deep in the playoffs and Jimmy Butler playing great. I have an Ethan Skolnick. Ethan was a long time, is a long time sports reporter in South Florida from Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, all the way down to Miami. He now has his own network, the Five Reasons Network, and he's the CEO. They cover all things Miami sports, uh, and he's a great host. We, we deep dove into Jimmy Butler, uh, who he is and, and where he came from, where the Miami Heat are in the playoffs, and as well as some great LeBron stories and a great Nick Saban story at the very end. Have a listen. From the Channel Seed Studios, Channel Seed Studios. This, this is the Sage Rosenfels Experience, exclusively on Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, seedsmanship at work. everybody. Sage Rosenfels here. Sage Rosenfels experience on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Uh, with the NBA playoffs going on, and Iowa is not the sort of NBA state, uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of NBA fans in Iowa. Uh, Brent Bloom being number one fan. Um, I have on today a, a special guest. When I played for the Miami Dolphins, 2006, 7, and 8, we had many beat reporters, some at Palm Beach, some in Fort Lauderdale, and obviously the Miami Herald. Uh, and my guest today, I believe, worked for all three. Yes. But he is sort of everything South Florida. He's been on, he's worked for the Heat mostly, it sounds like, or, or followed the Heat, I should say, uh, in various ways uh, over the last 10, 15 years after he sort of left the more of the football aspect of, of South Florida sports. And here we are. The Heat are up 1 0 in the playoffs. And, and he also covered LeBron James for a number of years during his run with the Miami Heat. So lots to talk about today. Ethan Skolnick is my guest on today. Ethan Skolnick, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. I, yes, I did cover your your career in, uh, in with the Dolphins as well as your t-shirt making skills. You did some of that, right? Did you, did you make a t-shirt for Ricky, I believe? If you want to tell the story, this is where we are. Go ahead. Go, go. No, I, I mean, I mean, it was it was free Ricky, right? Wasn't I that it was, it was during that particular period of time when the NFL was was not quite as loose about things as they are these days? Yes, I I don't remember the exact time. I can't believe I did that. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you did a lot of things. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Ricky, um, was this when he had gotten maybe his second? Yeah. Um, but it was really more the fact that. It seemed like the media, it was like all this judgment. And it was sort of like, yes. leave this guy alone, let him figure it out. A lot of judgment was coming down on the man, Ricky. And so I thought I would do like what a good team it would do was just make these. I, I don't know how I even went to a print shop or something. And I just printed free, like white t-shirts, black letters. Yeah. I wish I would have had. I hope someone they, has. They weren't high quality shirts. I'll say that. But no, the no, message no. was important. That, that was the key thing here. Yes, just free Ricky. Just let him go. Just let him run. You know, just let him do his thing. Who who's he bothering? Ricky Williams is bothering nobody. You know, so well he ran um, to a tent. He did run to a tent in Australia. Yes, he lived in a tent for for a yes. short amount of time. So yes, you covered us during that era. I'm not sure where we should start, but let. Why don't you give us your sort of credentials as we walk into this uh, quick NBA conversation? Well, you're right. I did work in mainstream sports media for a while, uh, such as that existed. So I took the tr more traditional path of, uh, you know, learning to to cover teams. And I was actually covering the Dolphins when I was 23. Uh, before my Miami Cup on today, by the way. Look at Miami that. Stuff. Look at that. That was just random. Well, good. It should be. It'll be underwater soon. So that's good. Um, <laughs> but uh, Fort Lauderdale is almost underwater. So, yeah, I went through more of the traditional path working for newspapers, was a writer for years. As you mentioned, I was with the, I covered the Dolphins. I think during the time that you were there, I was actually a columnist, probably at the Sentinel. I think I, I like worked Fort Lauderdale at, Sunset. Yeah, yeah, I had worked at all three. So at that time, I was covering you guys and the Heat primarily. And then when LeBron came in 2010, uh, you know, I, I had a choice, continue to cover a franchise that changed coaches every two to three years and hadn't won a playoff game in forever or go cover the biggest show on earth. So I went to go cover the biggest show on earth. So since then, I've been a little more heat centric, uh, but now I run this five reason sports network. So I'm out of mainstream media. I have about 40 contributors here and it's a, wow. uh, it's a new media, uh, uh, 
enterprise basically so we have podcasts i'm the host of the five on the floor miami heat podcast we have the three yards per carry miami dolphins podcast those are both the top downloaded podcasts in their spaces and then uh and then we have a youtube channel about twenty five thousand subscribers and and we've got a website uh and also a big social media presence so it's it's more of a new wave type thing as newspapers have contracted stop spending uh you know resources laying off people local tv a couple of the stations out here aren't even covering sports anymore so uh, what we provide is an opportunity for for really talented young people who are content creators in south florida sports to you know sort of get increase their reach and you know we're proud of a lot of things we've done our my number one heat reporter is 19 years old uh, he started it he came to me at a heat game when he was 16 and a half asked to start writing now he's asking Eric Spolscher the first question at press conferences, and he's built a Twitter following from 50 to 25,000. So, um, it's a, it's a, and he's while well, he's taking online classes <laughs> for Lauderdale. So, uh, it's just it's a different platform. But uh, honestly, I'm my own boss now, and I, I prefer that to answering to somebody else. And and we cover we're covering all the South Florida sports, which means right now we're basically the next two weeks we've got Heat playoff. The Heat Conference Finals, Panthers Conference Finals, Heat Conference Finals, Panthers Conference Finals every other day here for the next couple of weeks. So it's been been kind of a crazy time. South Floridians do love their sports. They do. I, I think they it, it gets an interesting rap because there's so many other things to do. Sometimes right. you see a lot of Dolphins games where there's not many people there. But right. when the teams are good, they really do, I feel like, support their teams. And all of us, when I was there, the Marlins – won the World Series, and it was yeah. like everyone was a Marlins fan, you know. But it is an interesting place. It's a different place to sort of cover sports. It feels like, to me, you've moved up in the world uh, uh, from the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. You know, it was sort of like Miami Herald, Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel felt a little bit less, at least this is as a player. And then there's like the Palm Beach Post who are like writing for the old people up there <laughs> and who's like the young guy. But, of course, that ends up being like Jeff Garlington and Joe Shad. And Well, they all ended up at, they all ended up in that at ESPN. Literally, with the Palm Beach Post, I worked for the Palm Beach Post with Israel Gutierrez. These are all like mentees that surpassed me. Israel Gutierrez, Todd Archer, you know Todd, yeah. um, uh, Jeff Darlington, Joe Shad. Dan Graziano, they were all at the Palm Beach Post during periods of time where I was there, and all of them moved on basically to ESPN, NFL Network, uh, etc. So when we had kind of like a, it was sort of like a Montreal Expos like thing. Remember the Expos way back in the day, Expos had all these great players, but they was like a farm team for the Yankees, basically. Yes. So I I th- I've thought about this before. I look at it as more of a shockwave effect mm-hmm. during the era you were there. You know, you have your big Marcus, but Miami with the Ricky Williams story mm-hmm. was such a wild situation. That and then Nick Saban coming in, I feel yep. like that era, um, there was so much coverage in yep. Miami, day to day coverage. Those writers, you know, that uh, Alex Marvez, you're yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yep. Uh, they end up being sort of, you know, people saw their work. And there were they, they there's a group of talent, of course, but also like the light. Sh- you could have all that talent in Cleveland, and, and if no one, they're never in the news. Who cares? Right. But there is like this. Uh, uh, well, and that and stage that happened with the Big Three Heat too, because it was once the Big Three Heat, like once we were, you know, it was crazy every single day. And yes, a lot of locals ended up getting uh, propelled nationally in that regard. You mentioned Marvez. Not everybody ended up working for AEW. I will say that uh, he, he ended up in the wrestling space as, as a ring. as a, <laughs> But that's actually what he wanted to do anyway. So yeah, Alex Marvez was another writer. Alex walked in. He wasn't wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt, but it was as if it was a Tommy Bahama shirt, but bought it at a much lower level store uh, <laughs> yes. with like definitely uh flip floppy sort of things big baggy pants but he had this like long he has long curly hair up in like sort of a man bun but longer i don't know he was and he he thought he talked about wrestling all the time he, would he was it was a full mullet uh stage. full-on mullet yes it, full it, on mullet. well, well and, and he, he ended up working there and and uh yes many 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 stories with alex on the road um probably you weren't aware of these because you were actually on the field but uh there there was there's this one time <laughs> He wasn't doing so good after a late night. I'll just say that. I think we were in Denver, and uh, he got taken out of the press box, like, like for his you know medical reasons. And on the way out, he put his two fingers. He goes, "Send the notes." He had to send the. 
<laughs> so, at least the notes got sent in. The uh, you know it was, it was probably who the inactives were that day or something along yeah. those lines. But he made sure that the notes got sent in. Yes. Well, it was quite an era. Um, maybe if we have some time, we'll 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 get to some dolphin stories if you can think of any. Maybe any good Sage Rosenfeld stories for listeners. That would be nice. That would be um, nice. But but let, we'll, we'll get to that later. Let's talk. I'll let's talk about that. that. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. Yes. Let's talk about what happened last night. I didn't watch the game. I saw Jimmy Butler hit this shot, but they were already up seven with a minute and a half yeah. left. So, um, they're up one nothing. They're the eighth seed. Is that right? Were they the eighth yes. seed this yes. year? Uh, seventh or eighth seed and getting in. And they've had, of course, the, the, the big upset against the Bucks, And then now they are one up in the Easter Conference finals. Tell me about this team. Um, tell me about you know this team and, and its coach Eric Spolstra, um, who's this you know sort of Pat Riley disciple, and you guys have had nothing but stability down there for for about thirty years. Yeah, I mean that's that's where it starts from an organizational standpoint. I mean, we talk about the Dolphins, the Marlins, the Panthers. They've run through about fifty coaches between them or managers, uh, while the Heat have had three. Which, which, you know, some of it is chicken or the egg. Some of it is you have success, you don't have to replace guys. But other times it's you don't replace someone just because he has a down season. And so you look at what they've accomplished. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, honestly, this is his seventh conference finals since he took the job at age 37 in 2008. Um, and as he said to me many times, he could have been fired a bunch of times and would have been in another organization. We just saw five high-profile NBA coaches lose their jobs in the past week. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, Doc Rivers, etc., cetera, uh, Nick Nurse. Me, me, all guys have won Coach of the Year. Uh, there are six Coach of the Year awards between those four guys. Eric's never won Coach of the Year. He's just made seven conference finals. And, and you know, a lot of it is that they, they've stuck with him through some things. As he's mentioned, he thought he might get fired when they signed, when they brought in LeBron because other organizations might want a bigger-name coach. When they started 9-8 and eight that year and all the pressure was on them, and then when they lost in the finals in 2011 to Dallas, he thought all three of those times he could have been fired. Said 12 years later, he's still here. He's gotten much better at what he does. But this team is a weird team. I'll say this. This team was not fun to cover this year. They were not. You know, you know what a team has a certain vibe that's a good vibe. This team did not have a good vibe. Like they came off of an overachieving year last year where they were the number one seed. They lost to Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. The third time in four years they faced Boston now in the Eastern Conference Finals. These have been the marquee organizations in the East for uh, for a bit of time now. And they lost because, you know, Jimmy missed a three at the end of it. And, and then they get to the, to the offseason, and they didn't make any significant changes. All they did was lose P.J. Tucker. They didn't want to spend in the luxury tax. It felt like Heat players – I was in the Bahamas with them for training camp. It felt like there was frustration that the team wasn't upgraded when other teams in the East were. And, you know, then there was also kind of a change in roles. Tyler Hero, who's out right now, which is an interesting story. Um, but he was put in the starting lineup. And I think there was some consternation about that, not because people don't think Tyler's a good player, but because it just fit in the starting lineup when he had won six man of the year. So they really didn't play well this year. I mean, they were very frustrating. They actually had a negative net rating in the regular season. Um, they only were above 500 because they won a ton of games in the clutch, which is playing out now that they would kind of grind these teams down and then figure out a way to win some of them. But even with that, as you mentioned, they started the play in as a seven seed lost the first playing game at home to Atlanta of all teams and were down in the fourth quarter to Chicago in an elimination game before pulling that out. And since then they've gone on a tear. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a run that we, we didn't see coming, I guess, be, not because this team wasn't good the year before, but because they never showed really any life this year at all. They never had a five-game winning streak the entire season. And now they've won uh, 12 of their last 14 games that Jimmy Butler has played. So it's just it's almost just like everything fell into place. They found their roles. Kyle Lowry got a little healthier. Kevin Love has been helpful. Um, they brought him in on a buyout, and I didn't know how much he was going to contribute. Buyout guys typically don't, um, even if they've had Hall of Fame-type careers like Kevin has. But he's injected some fun and some life into the locker room. And uh, he's been really good for them. And, and they just, they have, 
And they just they're doing everything their coach wants them to do. If you look at the, all the numbers in the postseason, they're number one in loose balls gotten to. They're all the, they love number one in charges taken. Like, do you feel like do you feel like this team is similar to now? I played for the Giants in 2000, so 10, 11 mm-hmm. training camp. They weren't 11, but 07, they mm-hmm. barely got into the playoffs. Yes, yeah. They were like nine and seven, barely got in, like won the last game. Coughlin sort of saves his job. Mm-hmm. And then they go on a tear. Yeah. And they and they, they you know they they got all the fumbles. They made all <laughs> right. the fourth and ones. Right. Like it's sort of a it's a it's like a sports met or a, a you know like a simile there or something. It's very similar. Sort of you got hot right at the very very end. Like you. Well, just I think I think of, there's appreciation and an exhale to a certain degree. Okay, we got in. All right, now everything resets. Right. So. You know, and I think that can happen in pretty much any sport. I mean, the, the reality is the same damn thing's happening in the same town here with the Florida Panthers. They they finished last year, like the Heat, they were a one seed. Mm-hmm. They lost last year in the second round. They had a very choppy season this year with new pieces. And they they clinched the playoff spot in the second to last game of the season. Sometimes I feel seed. like, though, this a team makes a run like this, but at the end of the day, they get to the, either the Eastern conference finals or, you know, the, the, the NFC championship or the, mm-hmm. even the super bowl, but they just are like worn out. Right. From like, it's almost like you get on this high and there's just not enough that and probably talent being that you're like the eight mm-hmm. seed to, to actually finish it off. But if they do, it's probably one of the more unique runs of, you know, if you can just get your foot in the door, Right. You know, you've got a chance, right? And, and well, you look at 19, that mentality. There's only one team, one eight seed that's ever made the finals, and that was the 99 Knicks. And they actually beat the Heat in the first round. They beat, they, they were, but there, there were a weird anomaly because that was the lockout season. So the season was only 50 games. So they finished only six games behind the Heat, but they were the eight seed as opposed to the one seed. Only six games separated the first and the eighth seed. And they'd had injuries the whole year. And so they were not a normal eight seed. Like you got into the playoffs, so you're like, well, you got to deal with Spreewell and Allen Houston now? Like, okay. And in a lot of ways, the Heat were not a normal eight seed because they have a guy in Jimmy who took them to the finals three years ago. Bam is still there. And, and so I guess what, again, it, I don't know if it's surprising because the roster and Spolster and Jimmy, but I, I think it's surprising because we just, didn't see this kind of spirit from this team the whole year. Like they are like they get a game to the clutch situation. We know they're winning. Like even last night, there somebody put that stat last night. I think it was on ESPN. They're five and two in the playoffs in games they trail by 10 points. Like that's just not normal. So what, like, what does that say about Spolstra? Uh, well, I, I think he's the best what, what, in the game right now. I and and, and, and hold, I, hold on, hold on. But what, what's that say about the style of coaching of when at just the right moments you get your guys to because they don't have um a Steph Curry or a LeBron or mm. you know one of these sort of marquee names they have a bunch of good players and and Butler is just unbelievably how does he get Butler to all of a sudden in the playoffs just turn it on like he seems to bring out the best in people at the most important times what's that say about about Eric Spolstra well Eric, what Eric, yeah I mean I think you've hit on it I think that um Eric's great strength is maximizing individuals um and the reality is they haven't spent into the luxury tax okay mickey harrison hasn't wanted to spend into that carnival stock has a lot to do with that so you know basically yeah, so, so yeah so the owner of this is another thing you play for like an nfl teams or in yeah. you know, nba you start these owners like who are these people well in the miami heat it's the guy who owns carnival cruise line it's the harrison family so yeah. they, they they bought the team and, and he he did you know, one really smart thing, and it set them up for a long time, which was in 1995. He went and got – he traded a first-round pick for Pat Riley when Riley was unhappy because he didn't have full control with the Knicks. And mostly, Mickey has stayed out of the way, uh, and and that has been his great strength. He stayed out of the way and let his – Pat run the organization in all ways, business side, uh, personnel side, etc. But he's also kind of stopped spending. And so – what the Heat have had to do is they've pivoted towards, and it's mostly been Spolster's doing, they've pivoted towards this developmental culture. So it's essentially, you know, he changed his whole staff. They started, they aligned with Sioux, uh, Sioux Falls, um, their affiliate on the total opposite side of the country. 
And they've developed undrafted guy after undrafted guy after undrafted guy. Now, sometimes they made a mistake of paying those guys after, like a Duncan Robinson, et cetera. And there's this crazy thing where they can't really trade any of them because everybody in the league knows that they're better in Miami than there are anywhere else. Any of these guys who's gone anywhere else has not achieved the same level of success they have under Spolstra's staff and under the Heat. But while the Heat have them, whether it's a Max Struess or a Gabe Vincent or uh, Caleb Martin, these are all former two-way players, literally two-way G League players that the Heat have as three of their core seven in their rotation. So he's maximized these guys, and then he's empowered Jimmy and Bam to kind of lead it. And then Lowry and Love, you know, for whatever flaws they may have at this stage of their career, they both won championships as being one of the top three players on their teams. And they've added that, and it's just become this really interesting mix in the playoffs. They're built for the playoffs, I think, and more so than the regular season. And and I think that the other thing is, but what Spo does is he empowers them individually. Um, and, and, and also, I think there's great trust in him now uh, from a lot of these guys. And, and it is... It is about adjustments. Like I'm watching him and my and and uh, and Missoula last night, the new coach for the for the Celtics, and it's just it's a total overmatch. And it's not Missoula's fault. It's literally his first playoff run with a team that has more talent, is expected to go to the finals at this stage with Milwaukee out. Um, but really, he had no answers for anything Spolster was throwing out there. And then the next game, he'll have fewer answers. And Spolster's now done this to Budenholzer and to Thibodeau. So. I mean, when you're in seven conference finals, when you make it to, what is it? He made it to five NBA finals at this stage. Uh, You've kind of seen everything, right? So there's not a lot that they're going to throw at him, and he knows his team. But the most important thing that Eric has done is Jimmy Butler is really hard to coach, okay? Um, and, And some of it's for the right reasons and some of it's for the wrong reasons. He's really hard to coach in part because Jimmy's just going to do what Jimmy wants to do. That's just the way he is. But his ultimate goal is he wants to effing win. Like, and, and I think that's, that's again, Minnesota, Chicago, Philadelphia. If you look at all those situations where it fell apart, particularly Minnesota, but to a certain degree Philadelphia, he was playing with guys that just honestly didn't have the same drives that he did. Ben, and we've seen it afterwards. Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns. The reality is Jimmy was right about all of them. But he is really hard to play with, and he's really hard to coach because he's going to demand it from you, but at the same time, he's also going to do his own thing sometimes. Like he doesn't stay at the team hotel a lot of the time. Like They put up with certain things with Jimmy that they never put up with with Bron. But they know when it matters, he'll be there. And well, not, not only has been there, the I mean, and play with him. but not only uh, to, to be there, but what, what's this about Jimmy Butler in the playoffs? I mean, it, there's only been so many times where someone scored 50 points in a playoff game. Um, well, he, he, his clutch. averages have all completely skyrocketed again, and we knew it would happen. Um, <clears throat> I think some of it is his basketball IQ is underrated. And so when you give him – he's not quite LeBron, but he's the closest guy I've covered to LeBron in terms of that. And if you give him time to prepare for an opponent – he will find the weaknesses in that opponent. Um, and playoff series allow you that. Hmm. Regular season does not. You're playing a different team every single night. It doesn't really mean that much. Jimmy only played 64 games this year, three quarters of the season. He will never play more than that again. I, he's just not, he's going to take games off. He's got a knee, he's got an ankle, he's got a desire issue in the regular season. It's not, he'll show up for these. Okay. And, and I, I feel like the NBA is a sort of a larger conversation, but. They're working on this, and you know the new CBA tried to address some of this. I don't think it will effectively. Is the NBA has a problem that the, the star players know the regular season does not matter, and and it's just, and that's an issue because <clears throat> they're going to sit out a quarter of the games to be ready for now. I mean, you look at it; we could be headed for a Heat Lakers finals potentially. Both those teams were playing teams. Like <laughs> neither of those teams gave a damn about the regular season. Um, that's not that's great for parity, and the ratings are up but it's not great ultimately for your regular season product. Um, so, but well, it used to be, it used to be mm-hmm. your thought was to get the number one seed. So you had yes. a home court advantage, right? That, 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 that's why the bulls, you know, right. went out and got seven. It was a 70, 
70 wins? 72 what they had? wins. Yeah. 72 wins. Um, but it, that's where you thought it mattered, mm-hmm. right? It, it definitely, that's the thought in football too. It's not like, hey, not we, but you get the buy in football. Right. Which is really nice, right? Imagine the NBA if they, hey, you got to buy if you're the first seed. It would make a big like difference. It, it would, would make, make a, a difference. difference. You get a series yeah. off, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, the, the playoffs are, are an interesting thing and the way the NBA is, it's not as important to get the one seed because if we just get in, then we, then we, you know, then we can sort of. But all you got to do is steal one game. That's the thing. Yeah, like, like the, the Heat, the Heat have done this in all three series now. They they stole game one in Milwaukee. They stole game one in New York, and they just stole game one in Boston. So now they have home court. So you go, you go that whole season. Now they, they tried to address it a little with the plan by not just gifting the seven and eight seeds a playoff series, but saying okay, seven and eight, but you're still going to have to beat out the nine and ten teams now to just get into the playoffs. And again, it dropped the heat seed when they lost the seven, eight game to Atlanta, they dropped to eight and they ended up having to face Milwaukee in the first round, or they would have seen Boston in the first round. And who knows how that would have gone either way, but there's just not enough of an incentive to really push guys like Jimmy in the regular season to play 75 games or 80 games. There's just not anymore. Um, I mean, I even go back to the big three era People would complain about Wade not playing enough, and Dwayne played more games in every season than Jimmy has the past three. It's just that we look at it differently at this stage. But once he gets to the postseason, once he locks in uh, on another opponent, I mean, he is playing. It's kind of like when you just master your craft. Like he's not – Jimmy is not the most athletic. He's a plus athlete for an NBA player, but he's not the most athletic. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest, even though he seems to have like 2% body fat. Okay. Um, And he's banged up by injuries through the years. Tibbs used to play him a ton of minutes. There's nothing about him that screams like, he's just a freak athlete or he's like Curry. Who's a real. He doesn't have superstar. He doesn't have superstar qualities. And Curry's superstar quality is a style that is so unique. And of course is, well, shooting is a superstar or a. Exactly. Right. Jimmy's not, Jimmy's not a great shooter. Like, so you, but you look at, but what he has is he, his will is off the charts in these situations, his IQ. And he's mastered the game to the point that he's playing at a different pace than everybody else. Like, you put the ball in Jimmy's hands in the last five minutes, you know, he's going to slow it down. He's going to find the mismatch. It's just like tic-tac-toe. It's like, okay, they're going to send the double. Okay, now I'm going to clear it up. Uh, and, and they really don't – they don't have an answer. Nobody has had an answer for it. He's seen, like, 12 different defenders in the postseason. He's torn all them up and then taunted them as he's done it. And they, they can't do anything about it. And it goes back to the story in Minnesota when he forced his way out of Minnesota – Jeff Teague tells this story the best. He just told it recently, but where Jimmy was basically holding out, but showed up one day at the facility and said, and just, and Tibbs tried to put him on the first team. And he said, no, no, I'm taking those guys. And he pointed at the worst guys out there who had no chance to make the team. They were all G league guys. I'm playing with them. And he went on and embarrassed uh, the, the, the Milwaukee. It's like Minnesota something Jordan person. would do. It's like yes. something Jordan would do. Well, yeah. he is. Look, there's no MJ, there's no Kobe, right? But if you're talking about personality type, yeah, he's the closest thing in the modern NBA to that. He's not Jordan level. He's always putting up Jordan numbers now. He's not Kobe level in terms of just their, I mean, sheer talent, okay? But but 31.5 points a game in the playoffs. It's insane. That's Jordan. Like, that's, that's oh, what it is. Was oh, no, it is when it mattered most. It, it is, and, and, it's, and he hasn't had a bad game yet. That's the thing. And he's also playing right now with an ankle that looks like this, um, you know, in terms of its swelling and everything. But that hasn't mattered either. So, I, I mean, he's the guy that nobody wanted to see in the playoffs. And that was the thing. But he just got there. They have the best coach. And right now they've got the guy who's playing. Uh, Jokic, I guess, on the other side would be the other counter on this. But but Jimmy Butler's been a top three player in the postseason so far overall. And that can carry you a long way. Well, talking about this series. You got mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics. They're up one nothing, obviously. Um, talk to me about how you see this series playing out. Of course, Jason Tatum, best player in Boston. You know, how do you see it? Uh, how oh, how is how do you see the game last night, and how do you see the rest of the series playing out? Well, I, I thought it'd be a seven game series. I still believe that's the case. I, I these teams know each other so well. They're a little different from the teams that face each other in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Boston's bench is different. 
Uh, Miami doesn't have Hero. Um, I don't believe they will during this series. They, they don't have P.J. Tucker from last year. Uh, the Oladipo got hurt, so they're playing more minutes to Kayla Martin. Lowry's healthier than he was last year. So the teams are a little different, but the core guys, Bam, Jimmy, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the same. Uh, and the coaching matchup to me is, is, is the huge advantage for Miami. I thought it'd be a seven-game series. I still believe that's the case. Um, Miami had an outlier quarter yesterday where they scored 46 in the third. Celtics outscored them in the other three quarters. This is a big joke because the national media likes to make excuses for the Celtics and Lakers under any circumstances. So the storyline uh, last year, uh, excuse me, three years ago when the Heat beat them in the bubble was that the Celtics won more quarters, which is like an old CBA thing, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. So I was joking about that last night because I was like, I bet you they're going to say that. And then literally Joe Missoula after the game, the new coach of the Celtics said, we won three quarters to one. And to me, it's such a loser mindset that I, I don't even know where you go with that. But the, that was, Well, but, sometimes people think that uh... – that they won something or that they very obviously lost. I mean, that yes. happens all the time in America. Like, well, I, that, you, what, what do you even well, mean that, the numbers were in the other you know, person's favor? We won. You know, we won that, something else. A lot of that happened on January sixth. But yes, so 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 yeah, it's just it's well, and in Boston, they're very they're probably much folks were involved in that. But I'll just say, it's <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's just it's it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but. My, Miami won the game last night um, because they put the ball in their best player's hands in the fourth quarter to close it, and Boston did not. Uh, Tatum, for some reason, was not initiating the offense in the fourth. He was scoreless in the fourth quarter. And I'll say this, and again, this is the difference. Like People are like, okay, Tatum or Butler, 95% of NBA fans would take Jason Tatum. He was fourth in the NBA in – in MVP voting this year, he was first among Americans, by the way. We had this weird thing where, I guess it's where the game is gone, but the top three vote-getters were Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis, all of whom were born in other countries. Tatum was the number one American player. We don't even have basketball anymore, Ethan. We don't even nope. have basketball anymore. Not, we lost everything. We lost, we lost it all. I guess that's where the American exceptionalism should have come in. But, Man. But, but, he, but the thing is, when it matters – so Tatum has this incredible, you know, stretch to close out game six against Philadelphia, but there are other times he disappears. With Jimmy now, you kind of know what you're getting. I would like to know what I'm getting. Uh, and yesterday, Tatum was not good enough in the fourth. So I would well, expect- and he, ha- he has a history. What, 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 what yeah. Tatum doesn't have as much history as mm-hmm. Butler. Playoff history, clutch history. Um, that mindset that Jordan Kobe Butler with but lesser athlete mindset is right. is you can try to have it right right that I, I don't know if you can just sort of force yourself to well do you like, let, let me flip this on you because I've always said this there is a certain there's a certain alpha type personality that's needed for those kind of situations it's the I don't give a bleep right like if it doesn't work out it's I'm I'm gonna keep shooting. I mean, Kobe's clutch numbers over the course of his career were not that good. Like his percentages were not that good. But everybody only remembers the ones he made yeah. because he kept taking them until he made them. Right? Like it. That is a certain. It's not the most efficient, but it is a. So in, in basic in basic human sense, mm. it's when you have enough money to basically. It's like I don't need to do anything anymore. And right. at that point, you can really take this effort to everybody and every single thing mindset. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But it's this freedom that occurs that then allows your mind to think about other things and actually like grow in other things. But Jimmy Butler has that. Um, and then, of course, a lot of NBA players have enough money or NFL players have enough money to, to retire. But he has that from like a reputation standpoint someone everyone still has this like there's an ego thing and like i'm trying to have a great career and do this but but he has it from uh um just doesn't care about anything but winning like but, look at, his, but look at his story sage and it explains it okay so he grows up in tomball texas right which is i think was per capita is the poorest town in texas okay yeah. He grows up in Tomball. He's basically abandoned by his two parents. Okay. Both of them. 
So he bounces around from house to house. Okay, it's kind of like LeBron's story, except LeBron's mother was still involved in his life, even when LeBron was was sort of raised by a coach for a period of time. He's bouncing around from house to house from age 13 on. He goes to junior college. He's not recruited. He goes to junior college. He transfers to Marquette. He doesn't start at Marquette his first year. He's drafted, but the last pick of the first round, okay, by Chicago. I mean, literally, he had a crack at him. They took my friend Norris Cole then. You can argue if they took Jimmy Butler there, the big three dynasty might still be going. But anyway, they so they they uh, he drafted 30 throw. He doesn't start a game as a rookie for Chicago. Tibbs played him 44 games, didn't start him once. He was basically Derrick Rose's caddy. And then now all of a sudden, he's literally averaging 31 in the playoffs. And he's making $48 million a year on his new contract. I mean, if you're him, you wouldn't give a bleep either. <laughs> like, Yeah, everything when, is, you know, everything is gravy. Everything is gravy. Exactly. Like, at that point. Yeah. And that freedom, you know, for him, almost like takes your, your mindset to another level. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why he doesn't really care about the regular season. As long as we get in the playoffs now, this is right. He is, he has broken it down for him for, for mm -hmm. what he is looking for championships at this point. I just want championships. Right. I uh, doesn't care about this. Doesn't care. Just wants championships. And it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. It's, he's a, such a great story. Maybe you'll get to write his book, you know, covering him. These years. I got to get him to three, sit, sit for three minutes. I, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I've, I've covered him all stage and he is, uh, he is different, man. Like, I, I mean, the, the thing about covering the heat all these years is everybody comes through, right? You had Shaq, you had Dwayne, you had Bosch, Ray Allen, uh, Gary Payton. I mean, everybody comes through. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, uh in braun okay and jimmy is just he's a different entity to himself like again this is an organization that dealt with Shaq's folks who dealt with all the people around lebron uh, they know how to do that kind of stuff it's it's uh you know harvey green obviously harvey work of course Har harvey harvey would joke with me about it. he doesn't know how to do it because he's like and I'm like, yeah, because Harvey, you would you would have been standing all over every time every time LeBron said a word, you would have been like, no, 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 no. Okay, that's it, that's it. We're done. We're done. Harvey Green was our uh, public relations director with the Miami Dolphins, uh, and yeah, definitely a piece of work. Definitely was <laughs> high strung, high yes. strung, high strung. Which you, you you I guess you I think you want your public relations director to be more even keeled, mm -hmm. you know. But he was, everyone was worried about what you writers were going to Wanstead was obsessed with like the, don't read them. Don't read the article. And then he was like the first one reading every single word about everything, <laughs> looking for someone who may have leaked something. Yes. I mean, it was constantly, uh, uh you writers, troublemakers. Well, you, no, you, it's, it's, it's all our fault. Right. You, uh, uh let, let's, let's switch topics. LeBron. All right. Yes. So on the other side, LeBron James, which you covered extensively during his run, with the heat mm -hmm. talking about him with, I don't know, this is his 20th year, 19th year, 20th, I no year. Idea, 20th year talking about his career, him, Jordan, him, Steph Curry, you know, the, just his era and where you, you know, see the big picture of LeBron and, and, and then we'll get into this uh, playoff game, playoff series. Well, well I, I think there are different debates here when it comes to LeBron. And I, I covered 2010 and 2014, and then I covered one year of his in Cleveland uh, for Bleacher Report when he went back. And there's one conversation to be had is, okay, who's the best player of all time? And I, I still think it's, it is and is always going to be the guy who played in Chicago. I just I, – I think to win – Basically, every time that he was trying to win a title towards the end of his career, he did. He won. He won. He got. He got there six times. He beat five different teams, all of whom had Hall of Fame type players on them. Okay, took two whether, years off. Took two years took off. Took two years off. I mean, but even if you look, I mean, look at the teams they beat in the finals. He beat a team with Barkley in his prime. He beat a team with Malone and Stockton in their prime twice. He beat Gar a team with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp in their primes, <coughs> with Payton being a Hall of Famer also. Uh, and he beat a team with Magic towards the end, okay? But it was it was still a Laker team, okay, that he beat. 6-0, uh, and oh, every huge moment he came through. Um, uh, you know, we can talk about the early career stuff and having to get past the Pistons, but once he established himself, I, I don't think there's any question he's the best of all time. But LeBron is going to have 
ultimately the most unique career of all time. And he's going to do things that Michael didn't do. I mean, Michael didn't play this long, right? Even after he came back from the hi hiatus, you know, when he came back and he played with, with Washington that time around, I mean, he was not this, okay? He didn't, ha he didn't have the triple doubles. No, well, none of right. that stuff. But, but with Braun, I mean, literally, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is co-carrying, you know, because you don't know if AD is going to play from one day to the next. Like, he's co-carrying, you know, a team now, you know, again, at close to age 40 in his 20th season when he's played this kind of minute load. I mean, I used to write about this. This is almost 10 years ago now when he was with the Heat. He was playing entire additional seasons just through the playoffs, right? So, so like, that's, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, his, like, his 21 seasons at this point is – or 20 seasons is a full 21, maybe 22 seasons. Oh, for more than that. More than that. Because if you look at it, I mean, you're, you're talking about high intensity games here, you know, 25, oh, I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, high pressure, high intensity, you know, you got a few more. So yeah, it's, it's probably almost 25 seasons as far as number of games when you add all those up, something like it, that, maybe more. Exactly. So it's just like, <clears throat> it, it, it's a remarkable thing that he's done if you look at it from that perspective and also the other thing is the the level of pressure that he's played in during this era is not comparable to Jordan's remember Jordan was playing in a no social media time like this is a different deal like LeBron ESPN has basically built its entire programming around him for the past 20 years like that's that is what it, I mean, everything is in relation to him he's had to deal with that kind of pressure and again to still be playing at this kind of level is kind of insane because I mean it depends how long he I, I sat down with him in Cleveland for his 30th birthday. I did like a 20-minute sit-down with him after practice. I said, How long do you want to play? I said, You want to play till 40? He says, I don't know. He says, I want to play with my son. He told me that then. Okay. Well, now his son is a year away. Okay, because he's he's going to USC. He's actually playing for my a friend of mine from high school, Andy Enfield, is the coach at uh, at USC now. He played at Johns Hopkins way back when. And, and so his son's playing there, and then we'll see where he gets drafted to and how much pressure is put on a team to draft him just so that maybe LeBron might go there to play with his son. But I think he could play at a pretty decent level for the next three, four years, um, something along those lines, if he wants to. But I don't know if, if LeBron is going to want to be a 14-point-a-game guy, you know, six-man coming off the bench. I don't know if he'll play for that. You know, Magic did it. But again, Magic had the HIV diagnosis and came back and then kind of came back as a different player. I don't know if, if LeBron, from an ego standpoint, could could handle that um, in, in that way. And I also don't think he wants to go through the kind of decline that we saw Kobe go through his last you know couple of but LeBron's years. body is different. Mm -hmm. His I mean, Jordan had a certain type of body. Kobe had a certain type of body. LeBron's is different. He's thicker, and Kobe and, 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 and Jordan, their knees started breaking down. Their ankles yeah. started breaking down, mm -hmm. and LeBron's hasn't nearly as much. I think it's because he's just so, like, put together. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the, of course, his height and his, just his physicality, it, it, he's a, truly a different level of athlete. Like, that, that, is, that is his thing. He's just... Yeah, only there's one. In a, he's one in a billion. He's the only he one, really. And you know, in, in the it, world, it's, that it's a combination. Like it's that. a combination of of genetics and and work. It, it's both. It, it's it's not one or the other. Of because, course, because because I I, I want no matter what Kobe did in the weight room, he wasn't going to have LeBron's body. No, no, but but also if if LeBron see what LeBron did so well. The other thing is so underrated about everything is. The people he, he he's really he's really bad at putting players on his team. Like when he when he's when he wants to play GM, it never works. He's really good at his team, if you know what I mean. Like he he empowered people around him who nobody else probably would have hired in that situation. Like he he turned down the big name agents, okay, and he went with Maverick Carter, his high school friend, to run basically his marketing. He went with uh, Randy Mims to basically handle his day to day. He hired Rich Paul, who was basically a fan of his. He wasn't even a close high school friend or anything like that to be his agent. And he has Mike Mancias, who I'm, I'm friendly with and I'm a big fan of his, who is just a super trainer and a really nice guy uh, and just is a 
relentless worker with LeBron. And I would just watch the, the programs they put together and he's new age thinking and all that stuff. He does not call attention to himself. If you look around the people around LeBron, Maverick a little bit, most of them, they he's very good about keeping them kind of in line where it's, you know, it's about, it's LeBron Inc. basically, okay? And they know they're a part of it. And he's just picked all the right people for that. And I don't think he's gotten enough credit for that. And that's why, He's a billion-dollar athlete now. I mean, he's literally a billion-dollar athlete. Um, he hasn't made the best movie choices, I will say that. Uh, Space Jam, kind of a disaster, that house party thing. But, like, as far as his basketball part of it, like, and getting him in the right condition, right mind frame. And I don't think the other thing with LeBron that's so completely underrated is just, again, the IQ. I, the IQ, I used to stand in front of him, and he would remember – I asked him a question, and he had recall of, like, a play from, like, two years earlier in, like, a third-quarter game against Detroit on a Tuesday night. Like, and it's like, I, he's like, yeah, this is like when I did this against that. And then you would look back, and it would actually have occurred. Like, he, it, just photographic memory on that kind of stuff, ability to recall, understand every situation. He would do this thing with us on the road. We'd be in a shoot-around, like, in Sacramento when, like, the team was bad with the Kings, which they were for years. And he said to me, he, he we like they would ask him about and he, like and he would know like the guys on the G League team for the Kings, and I'm like, how does he have time for this? Like, how does he, you know, like most of us, like literally, he's running an enterprise. He's a, he's got a family. Okay, how does he know like who the third string point guard is for like you know, uh, for like the Canton Crush or whatever? Like it's just it's unbelievable, honestly. Where do you see his career going after he's done, uh, after he's done playing? Let, let's talk about LeBron James between five, ten years out. Is he in the media? Is he no, just I don't, his no. business? Is he the head coach for his son's team in the <laughs> NBA? <laughs> where, where, where is he, you think, five or ten minutes after uh, uh, retiring from basketball? I, I think he's – that's a good question. Um I won't, he won't be a coach. I mean, maybe for yeah. I mean, because he won't he won't be a coach at this level. It doesn't pay enough. Uh, he won't be in media. I don't think. I don't. I don't think he'll do that. I don't think he'll want to mix it up in that way. And I, I don't think there's enough value in it for him. He's not as entertaining as Charles or anything like that. So I don't think he would go that direction. Um, I think it's mostly going to be business. But I also think he's the type he craves attention. And so that's why I don't know if just being in the business world and producing TV shows and all the rest of this is going to be enough for him. Like he likes being in the, in the eye of the storm. Um, he needs it when he doesn't get it. It's like he cries out for it um, mm -hmm. and on social media. And so I, 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 I'm not exactly sure. I don't think he's going to get into politics. I had conversations with him a long time. I know where he stands on stuff, but I don't, I don't think he would do that. I think. Well, then he no longer, if he gets in politics and he's done playing basketball, that he doesn't have to just dribble anymore. He can do other things. Well, that, that's a good point. And we just saw that some of the people who told him to shut up and dribble have lost their jobs recently. Which I, took <laughs> great, I, heard. I took great pleasure in that. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I just, I think he's going to have to be somewhere where he feels like he's still getting a certain <laughs> level of attention. So I don't know if business is going to be enough, but I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I mean, I think ownership is another place he could go. Michael went that direction. Um, I could see him. Could you see Pat Riley mm -hmm. sort of turn it over to LeBron? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think Mickey was. Things have patched up a little bit in Miami. but Do you think at that point it's where LeBron like wants to live? I mean, where you want to live is important yeah. when, when you're done. You've had to live in different places, chosen mm -hmm. to live in different places. But there is this place where you plant your roots um, and dive into that community. And, and that will, I would. I would assume, you know, have a long way in what he wants to do, uh, you know, forever. I, I, I think so. And a lot of it is where um, where his Savannah wants to live, too, because that'll play into it also. And I, I think they've found a home in Los Angeles. I never felt they really felt at home in Miami. Um, I guess they could go back to Ohio also. I mean, he could pretty much live anywhere. The kid's going to be out of the house soon. He's got the second one who's uh, who's almost there, too. So that changed the equation. But he's got the young daughter, actually. So, so maybe it'll be a little bit longer. Um, it's funny, his daughter was born three days after mine. So we used to trade baby pictures when we went up to Cleveland. It's hard to believe it's that long ago. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that he's going to need some place where he feels like he's the center of attention. I think ownership is a place, 
because I, you know LeBron became very big on black empowerment as his career has gone on, and a lot of that is who he's empowered around him. And I, I feel like he wants to be in a role where he has influence in that way. Um, and becoming an NBA owner, I think, is you know a primary owner, kind of like Michael has, but having more success than Michael has yes. uh, would be good because Michael's been kind of a disaster in Charlotte. I mean, you look at the picks and you look at the lack of playoff success. I mean, they're a non-factor with Michael Jordan as their owner. Um, I, I don't think that's what he wants. I think LeBron will be more in tune to try to follow the path of magic, uh, who has been extraordinarily successful uh, with, you know, the movie theaters and everything else that magic has done in Los Angeles. And, and so I could see LeBron doing a lot more in that space, uh, you know, high profile business stuff where he makes money, but I don't think money is what drives LeBron. It's part of it, but it's mostly influence at this stage. It's influence and attention. I, I will say there's an aspect of once you become ownership, NBA ownership, NFL ownership, there is this fraternity. Yes. There is this club that a lot of people would like to get into one way or another. And everyone has different amounts of money. And the mm -hmm. Cowboys just got bought by one of the one of the Waltons. And so yes. uh, you are now in a bigger world. So for business deals, for this, that, and the other, it's a simple, very, very, they would take the phone call anyway, but it just right. becomes this different level. And, and there is power to mm -hmm. create influence within the NBA uh, in his words and, you know, at, at the, at the owner's meetings and, mm -hmm. um, and the way he votes and, and the way, and, and, you know, who ends up being the commissioner of the league and, and those things like that. I mean, there is big influence that does trickle down to, you know, the rest of the country, really the rest of the world, because the NBA definitely is a, a world game, way, way more than the NFL. I mean, there it, it seems like to me he wants to do something big. He doesn't want to yeah. just go away. And, you know, no. I have old teammates who they made their money and they, you know, they literally just they go fishing all the time. Right. They go right. fishing. They take trips out to Wyoming to go fly fishing they disappear and they're happy to but but lebron is is not i, no, I, I, I agree with you he he needs that attention needs it's not attention. a it's not a, and i don't even think it's his ego i think that he knows how impactful he can be and it's it's mm -hmm. uh um I, I think that's great i think that he should use his voice and his power um for the you know for the betterment of, of everybody and I, and i think lebron would be a great ambassador in that sort of role yeah, and, and, I, and I think I think it's a little bit of both. And I, you mentioned, like, you know, you look at the greats of the NFL from the past, you know, 10, 20 years. You know, Peyton has stayed in a in a public space, right? You know, but a media role, a media, a media role, role. Me, more of a media role. Uh, you know, Brady, we'll see if he ever actually calls any games, because I'm, I'm dubious on that. I feel like that's going to fall apart before it. I mean, it's already been pushed back a year. Um, and, and I get the sense that other things are going to be attractive to him of course you know Favre got involved in some things that probably lebron wouldn't want to get involved in but but you know <laughs> the akron zips the akron zips need to do football stadium and therefore the people of ohio and the country should help support right in the exactly. akron zips new football stadium is that you're talking about <laughs> precisely something some, some some kind of boondoggle like that yes uh that's that might be that might be a possibility, but I I just think you know again NFL and NBA is different too because uh, in the NBA like you mentioned it's international but also the money was all guaranteed, you know it's only recently that the NFL is coming around to that with some of the quarterbacks as you know um, that are actually going to make that kind of guaranteed money but otherwise it's you know it's basically a year to year proposition in the NFL it's not in the NBA you're making generational wealth in the NBA. If you're at that level, you know, you're not necessarily in the NFL. So uh, you see more of the NFL guys get back into the space. Uh, but you know, the NBA too, is just like, you know, sometimes there've been guys who have gotten into media that I thought there were no chance they were going to get into media because the money wasn't going to be good enough and everything, but they just like giving their opinions. And that's, you know, that's kind of the thing. And, and the NBA is, it's, it is kind of a big social club, essentially. It's, you know, it's, when I go to NBA All-Star Games, it's all the same guys who come back every year. It's all that, you go to the Hall of Fame announcements, it's the same guys that come back every year. It's, a, and it, a lot of it is, you know, there are fewer players on each team. There are fewer stars, but the stars, you see their faces, you know, you don't see their faces in the NFL as much. And there's no helmets, there's no, and, and also in the NBA, I've always felt this, that the players are empowered to speak their minds. 
in the NFL, they're not, as you know. Um, it's it's more about team. Don't go. Don't step are, out of line. We are. We have no faces behind those face masks. It's just <laughs> right. a number. Right. And did he do my team right? That's all that matters. Come That's on, 72. Come on, 72. He doesn't have a name or a face. I mean, whereas the NBA literally, Jimmy Butler in the locker room the other day, they wanted him to do po- uh, podium, and he didn't really want to do it. So he says, fine, I'll effing do it, but I'm not putting a shirt on. And they're like, fine. So he literally comes out just shirtless to the podium. You know, <clears throat> NFL would not be tolerated. No, I would not. <laughs> that'd, be would not a, that'd be a, a large fine. They find you for like everything in the NFL. They're just yes. like everything that we can possibly think of. We're gonna try. We're, we'll find a way to find you. For that. <laughs> if you're a pound overweight, it was like, hey, we're gonna designate a weight for you. It's like, why do you get to designate the weight for me? Like, I understand my body is, I think, pretty dang well. Well, and if you're a pound over that weight, four hundred seventy-six dollars per pound per day. It's like, what is going on here? I'm only making three hundred thousand. I'm a you know first or second year player. Yeah. Uh, the NFL's rules for everything. Definitely, the NBA is a little bit more free. Well, we we can't stay forever. I gotta get yeah. you, let you free to go. Um, I sincerely appreciate your time. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna. Do you want? Do you want to throw in one one Dolphins memory from our time together, Nick Saban or the Ricky yeah, story? I, I, well, I'll, I'll 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 tell one Saban story. I mean, I've got plenty of stories, obviously, from over those years. But the one the one Saban story when did I ever tell you about when he mf me at a bar? <laughs> no, go continue. <laughs> okay, so this was 2006. Okay, so not his first year, but his second year. 2007 2000 no, yeah, yeah that's right yeah, yeah 2006 that's right six, that's right six six so so 2005 was his first year and the team made a little run at the end of the season you know to, to i think back to nine and seven wait, wait, that's and right seven. earlier in the podcast i said 2006 seven eight when i was in miami i was, that, that, that that was the texans i was in miami 2002 three four and four, five, five saban's first year yes so this is now saban's second year so this second is about year. the time where he's probably already realized he made a mistake with well, not actually, going after Drew Brees and the Dante <laughs> Culpepper, it's right. It's right around this time, right? Well, it actually, it actually was the same day as something significant happened. So, okay, so basically, I had, we, I mentioned Harvey Green. He had asked me to. Saban used to do his his uh, weekly radio show where he had like three regular callers. He used to do it at uh, Gatsby's in Davie, which was like an upscale pool bar. It's not a pool hall. It's not there anymore. Oh, love Gatsby's. I liked it too. I'm kind of disappointed it disappeared. So he he would do his show from there and he would have a media guest who would ask him some of the questions. He'd have an in in-house people, his wife was always there, and other there were there were some regulars that would come. And then the phone guests. It was on it aired on 790 the ticket, which also no longer exists. So basically, uh Harvey Green had been trying to get me to appear. He needed media guests, and nobody Saban hated us, so nobody really wanted to do it. It's not like we got paid for it. They would give Saban, us twenty. Saban hated the media. He despised us. Okay, how many media? How many games has the media won us? How many playoff games has the Correct. media won us? But we lost all of them yeah. for you guys. That's just, so. So so basically, I mean, he literally painted over our parking spots. That was his first thing he did when he got there. So he didn't like any of us. So we didn't really like him. So I didn't want to. I mean, I respected him, but I didn't really want to deal with him. So, and you would get like a $25 gift card from Gatsby's. That was the, the perk. So I was like, Harvey kept trying to push me to come on because I hadn't come on the whole year. And he hit, he rotated others on there, Marvez and others. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. Just this one time, whatever. But the season had basically played itself out, okay? They, they weren't going to the playoffs, okay? I do think he realized he made a mistake. And by the way, on the very day that I, I had already agreed to do it, but on the day that I was supposed to go do it, was the day that Dave Hyde, who was a fellow columnist of the Sun Sentinel, asked Saban at the press conference, are you going to be the Alabama coach? Because all mm. that stuff was swirling, because it was towards the end of the season. And that's the day that Nick gave his BS answer, okay, you know, about not, uh, no, I ain't going to be the Alabama coach, okay, whatever. So literally, I'm on the way down to Gatsby's, and Harvey Green calls me, and he says, listen, Ethan, yeah, I really appreciate you doing this, but, you know, don't ask Nick anything about Alabama. He's like, don't, you know, I don't, he's like, you know what happened today? Because I was in the room, okay? I was in the press conference room. Don't ask anything. I'm like, okay, okay. Your, your impersonation, that. by the way, it was more of like, this is how Harvey Green talk. Hey, talk. Hey, Sage, hey, Sage, how's it going? <laughs> how's your dad, Bob? All right. As opposed, as opposed to what's that? You know what I mean? 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 Um, so I basically, I said, okay, fine. I said, no problem. So I go down there and I'm sitting with Nick and it was a very light crowd. 
His wife was there. It was a very light crowd because the team was not making the playoffs. It was like three games left or whatever. So they're going around. So they were having trouble getting questions. So I had to ask a lot of the questions. And plus, nobody was calling in. So Nick was getting irritated already because it was like nobody's paying attention to him. And he obviously was not thinking about this stupid radio show because he was he got an offer from Alabama. So he didn't want to tell anybody about. So he wasn't. okay. so finally it comes around to me. And I like on the fourth question, I asked the most innocuous question that I could ask, which was the Pro Bowl voting had come out that week. So I said, I said, so um, I said, any thoughts, coach, on, you know, trying to be respectful. I said, any coach thoughts on. On, you know, Jason and Zach, you know, making the Pro Bowl. And, you know, did you think anybody else was deserving? You know, because it was always Jason and Zach. So I said, <laughs> I said, do you think anybody else was deserving? And he goes through, he gives this long answer. He goes, and he names everybody on the fuck effing roster. Okay. Everybody he goes through the whole thing. So then it's a break because it's like a radio break. So he's walking around. He gets to go say hello to his wife. And Harvey turns to me and he goes, Ethan, I want to thank you for asking, you know, respectful questions tonight, not going there. And Nick spins around, he goes, that's not an MF and good question. He said, now I got to name every MF or on the MF and disappointing underachievement MF and team that I have. He's like, he's like, because otherwise some MF is going to be pissed at me in the MF and morning. He's like, so he looks at me, he goes, do your job. I'm like, dude, I'm here for a $25 gift card, okay? I got other things that I can do. And and there was a poker game that was supposed to be at my apartment that night, okay, with a bunch of media guys, some people you probably know, Seth Levitt, Jason Jackson, uh, George Sedato. I'm here at this place, okay, deal with this. He doesn't apologize, doesn't do anything. So I sit there, I, I he's MFing me in front of everybody for asking a, a, a softball question. So I t- that day I got home and I messaged the late Brian Wiemeyer and I said, I just want to tell you one thing because I was friendly with Brian. Brian passed. He was the president of the Dolphins at the time. I'm never going to be in a room with that person again. I said, I'm not dealing with it. I'm just letting you know. So for three days, the PR staff tried to get me to come up and talk to Nick in his office. Nick wants to talk to you. Coach wants to talk. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm working. I'm working down here. So finally, third day I go up there. I walk into his office. He looks at me. He's eating a tuna fish sandwich. He looks at me when I walk in. And he goes, "Ethan, do we have a problem?" And I'm like, "I." And I'm like, "Coach, I said you mf me at the middle of a bar." He's like, "I was just in a bad mood. My my wife says I sometimes say the wrong thing to people. I think the wrong thing." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> this isn't like a misunderstanding, okay? You just question my entire personal credibility because I asked you who should be at the Pro Bowl. That's basically it. But here's the crazy thing about it. He was so manipulative that I actually thought that he was staying because my thing was, why would he care about my feelings as the number two columnist of the Sun Sentinel if he was leaving town for Alabama? So I actually, he totally threw me off course because I was like, no, he's staying with the Dolphins. Why would he care about me if he's going to Alabama? Literally three days later, he was off for Alabama. So there you go. It's quite the next statement story. I have a few of my stories, but I'm not going to share them uh, <laughs> today. You don't have much time. You have a playoff run yes. uh, to cover. Um, should see uh, tonight is this is Thursday. We're recording this, right? Yeah. So tonight is is Jokic and uh, and those Nuggets. It, it'd be really cool to see the Denver Nuggets win the whole thing. You know, it's there's something about that those those certain cities. Yeah, um, that have you know need need to win a championship, and, and Denver could use a championship. And they've never won one. That they, they've never they won in the ABA, but they've never won since they've gone to the NBA. I don't know if the NBA would consider it really cool for the Denver Nuggets to win a championship, but we'll see. It's, yeah, it feels like feels like they want Lakers Celtics at all costs, but you know we'll see what the officiating is in Game Six and Seven because we know yeah. there's a little bit of manipulation that could be. Yeah, done. it's all uh, they love they love those big markets. Well, well, yes. I appreciate your time. Uh, good to see you. Good chatting with you. I appreciate uh, the sort of the NBA news and the inside detail uh, on the Miami Heat and, and Jimmy Butler. Um, you know what a character that guy is, but clutch, and uh, yeah. I, I think he's creating his own legacy. Partly with his "I don't give a crap" attitude, uh, it's mm. it's given the confidence and his team confidence to, 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 to it seems like to win and to play great win when it matters most. And you came out to a lot of those press conferences shirtless and saying "I don't give a bleep" too. 
Yeah, I didn't come out to any press conferences because no one cared about what I uh, <laughs> said. And based off of like Wanstead's paranoia and Saban's paranoia, like I tried to talk to media people as little as possible. That's true. And you you and I had a, a, a drink one time and uh, when I was there and, and I lightly treaded on on giving you a little bit of background, a little, little inside information. At one point, I, I recall at the Hard Rock Casino, I think, for the yes. Jason Taylor charity event. So that's correct. Um, you know. It, it was uh, those are quite the years, intense years uh, for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Very intense, like press years. Maybe that's what molded and forged all the all the uh, the media people down there to then go and have success all over the place. They were forged by the paranoia of Nick Saban and Dave Wanstead and Jimmy Johnson uh, and Jimmy well. Johnson and you a know. few since. We finally have uh, God. You would like playing for the guy we have now, though. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, I did play for. Him. I play. You know, he was a he, he was a Kyle Shanahan project. Oh, that's in right. Houston. Him, Lafleur, uh, Robert Sala. Uh, it's it's inc- that that little run there when I yeah. When I'm, I left. I'm I'm a I'm a big McDaniel fan. I think that uh, I, I I like his approach. I think. Yeah, I left Miami because I wanted to live longer, and I did one year Nick Saban, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm taking <laughs> you know you know. Plus, it was like I need to get paid. I've never really made a, a big paycheck, and so I went off to Houston to the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> uh, but we got we got it flipped around pretty quickly. Kubiak put together uh, mm-hmm. quite a staff. So now, anyway, Ethan, thanks for your time, Thank you, sir. Good luck to you, and uh, go Miami Heat. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how far this run drags me. Have a All good right. one, Sage. Thanks for coming on. Iowa everywhere.